Oh, hi, I didn't see you there. Don't worry, I'm not gonna take up too much of your time. I know you clicked on this video so you could watch this video. I just wanted to remind you not to forget about the Drunk Panthers podcast, where me and my brother talk about sci-fi, horror, cartoons. But that's it. I just, I mean, I know you want to watch this video, so just, just pretend I'm not here. Where would Batman be? Where would Dick Grayson be? Huh? Don't think about it. Happy Black History Month, you beautiful nerds. So, Robert Pattinson's new movie is coming out soon, and I thought it would be a great time to celebrate the legendary cape crusader known as Batman. As I have mentioned before, Batman is my favorite fictional character ever. Wait, do I even have a top five favorite fictional characters? Let's see, there's Spidey, Sherlock Holmes, Storm, Leslie Nope, and Bat- Yeah, okay, yeah. I love Batman. I want you to understand that I'm not imploring any hyperbole when I say that I am obsessed with Batman. My first word was Batman. Not kidding. I saw the poster for Tim Burton's Batman as a baby and I screamed Batman! And my mom was amazed that I could even talk, much less recognize the bat signal on sight. There are a lot of bat flicks, but it being Black History Month, I wanted to do something a little different. Just like most people think that The Incredibles is the best Fantastic Four movie, I feel like this is one of the best Batman movies ever. I'll go ahead and say that my ranking is that I love this movie, but as the title suggests, this video is not so much a review as it is an analysis of what makes the Adam West Batman and this movie so damn good and also misunderstood. Because this flick is clearly a love letter to The Dark Knight, specifically the 60s TV series. So today I want to talk about why that series and this movie deserve way more credit than they get. So strap on your cape and cowl, put on your bulletproof pajamas, and let's have a little chat about but first, prelude, 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 prelude. In the year of our Lord, 1966, ABC produced a live action superhero television series by the name of this wasn't the first attempt to put Bruce Wayne's crime-fighting alter ego on screen, but it was definitely the most infamous to date. This was my introduction to Batman. Remember? First word. A lot of people consider this the shitty, corny Batman. But what they don't realize is that this show was a comedy. It's my mother-in-law. You can't get away from Batman that easy. Easily. Easily. Good grammar is essential, Robin. Thank you, Batman. These guys knew exactly how ridiculous their show was. It was intentionally made funny. And knowing that, you can't help seeing it for the comedic genius it is. The 1966 Batman movie is one of the best comedies I've ever seen. It's fucking hilarious. Looks ought to be high enough. Look, down there in that other alley. Careful, Robin. Both hands on the bat rope. Sorry, Batman. It's a lighter, more comedic interpretation of Batman who lives in a world where insanely illogical things happen all the time. But it's still oddly true to the character. Or at the very least, what a six-year-old kid imagines when they think of Batman. The main thing that sells the comedy is that the actors on the show are really going for it. And the guy who sold it the most was appropriately the titular character. Now, I didn't write the book on Batman, but I did read the book on Batman. Travis Langley is an official expert of the mind of Bruce Wayne. A job that honestly doesn't sound like it pays very well, but whatever. Do your thing, man. But he wrote a book that delves into the psychology of Batman called A Dark and Stormy Night. It's a really interesting read. Though most of us know Batman as this dour, traumatized lunatic, this book wisely explores the differences between the incarnations of Bruce. And before they delve into the more serious versions like the Chris Nolan Batman, they explore the characterization from the 1966 series. The late great Adam West, who played the titular role, said that 
that the magic behind the show was the campiness. The goal of the show was to make a series comedic enough to make adults laugh and tame enough for kids to enjoy. Executive producer William Dozier told Adam West that the role, quote, had to be played as though we were dropping a bomb on Hiroshima with that kind of deadly seriousness. As West noted, the irony came when I read that marvelous first script by Lorenzo Semple Jr. And I thought it was the funniest script that I'd ever read. I hoped that they would let us make the show a comedy, and indeed, our late executive producer, Bill Dozier, and some of the others were in complete agreement on that tone. And Blank Man is handled with the same care as the Batman 66 series. And because it was clearly seen as a tribute to the older series, it was seen as a comedic masterpiece and was a well-received, beloved cult classic that... Oh dear God, look at that Rotten Tomatoes score. Okay, I'm not sure if you've seen this movie, but it definitely doesn't deserve this low of a score. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but I personally think Rotten Tomatoes is trash. I mean, it's owned by Universal and Warner Brothers. How could they, I, I, I you know what, don't even get me started. Stylistically, this movie is kind of like if Adam West got dropped into Tim Burton's Gotham, wrapped in 90s hip hop culture. I mean, the soundtrack is incredibly 90s. Have you ever heard a superhero theme song that fucks so hard? Hey, Scott, here's someone new on the block. No better spider could compare to this top-notch hero. He's everyday people, defending all good. Even the fight scenes are shot in the same style as the 60s Batman series. Not just the Zap Pow stuff, but even the camera movements are similar. And there are also some shot-for-shot homages to Batman 89 and Batman Returns. But this city is not the Gotham from the 60s TV show. It's dingy and dangerous. I mean, they strap a bomb to the mayor's chest, chain him to a bank vault, and blow him the fuck up. Like, name a superhero movie that blows up the fucking mayor in the middle of the movie. Growing up, I loved comic books, but there weren't really any black comic book characters that I read at the time. Like, I didn't read Black Panther or Icon until I got older, so the first black superheroes I ever saw were Meteor Man and Blank Man. And though I like Meteor Man and respect Robert Townsend for, well, a million things, he's he's amazing. But Meteor Man is a clear parallel of Superman, while Blank Man is a clear parallel of Batman. So yeah, I was always gonna like Blank Man more. Plus, Blank Man is just a better film. It came out in 1994, and during this time, Damon Wayans was on top of the world. He already became immensely popular because of his work on In Living Color, but he also was becoming something of a leading man. A feat I dare say he succeeded at way better than any of the other Wayans. I mean, Sean and Marlon had huge box office success with their films, but they were always a package deal. Damon starred in several films during this era where he was the sole lead. His production company that would later be the title of his very successful sitcom produced this movie and he co-wrote the film. This was Damon's baby and it's clear that he was a big fan of superheroes like Batman and Spider-Man because this feels like an homage to the golden age of comics. But let's talk about what we're talking about. What even happens in this movie? The film follows Kevin and Daryl Walker, two little black kids who are huge Batman fanatics and are raised by their grandma. Hey look, it's little Damon Wayans Jr. You geek, how do you know all that? Well, we can't talk about what happens without talking about Grandma Eleanor Walker. First of all, Lady spent her younger years chasing world-renowned crime extraordinaire Carmen Sandiego, so she knows all about crime fighting. In all seriousness, though, Daryl and Kevin's grandmom was a saint. We see that she's kind of a hard ass, but she loves and supports her grandsons. This scene is actually doing a lot of work. We see that the neighborhood is riddled with crime. We see that the cops don't do anything
thing to help. We find out that the cops aren't helping because they haven't been paid in two weeks. And we also see that Eleanor can't stand idly by while crimes are being committed. She also isn't really capable of doing anything about it. I mean, physically. She still volunteers for this idealistic candidate who's vowed to turn the city around. You can see how Eleanor has influenced Kevin and Daryl too. Kevin wants to report more legitimate news, but his boss berates him for doing stories that aren't sleazy enough. By the way, Jason Alexander is doing his best J. Jonah Jameson years before J.K. Simmons, and I'm fucking in love with it. Daryl is also wasting his ambitions at work. He has an inventive mind, and he's always coming up with these situation-specific gadgets at the repair shop he works at. Situation-specific gadgets, that sounds... Huh, that sounds familiar. I knew you'd employ your sneezing powder. So I took an anti-allergy pill. Unfortunately, Eleanor Walker gets killed by these local goons. She gets killed by these thugs that work for local gangster Morelli. While Daryl is at work, he accidentally discovers a way to make his clothing bulletproof. Lab experiments gone wrong, the makings of most good superheroes, and also dead parents. Daryl hits a few stumbling blocks before he gets his first real superhero moment. You know what moment I'm talking about. The moment where you're like, okay, they're officially a crime fighter now. They've pursued, embodied, and accepted the role of superhero. And it's usually followed by or preceded by a crime fighting montage or some such shit. Yeah, this is the scene that really makes the whole film. Like, it encapsulates everything this movie is trying to do. Daryl still doesn't have a superhero name, and no one really takes him seriously. But then he actually saves his first person in costume. It's not anything as exciting as stopping a bank robbery, which actually does happen later, but he does help a person in distress without being completely dependent on his brother Kevin. And through a in-the-moment misunderstanding, he gets his crime-fighting alias. He's gone blank, man. Oh, blank man. Were you a true hero, blank man? Blank man. What a great moment. Cue that montage. Great Scott, here's someone new on the block. No better spider could compare to this top-notch hero. He's everyday people. And though the movie isn't about race, it has a clear commentary on black community and influences of black culture. Daryl finally comes into his own and becomes a real hero to his little community, and his inventions get a lot cooler. Like, can we talk about how fucking awesome the blank wheel is? It's a big wheel, a bicycle, a motorcycle that rides on a train track is so bizarre. I've never seen it before. I love it. It is so cool looking and inventively swashbuckling. It's just fun. And the score that they play during the scene at the blank station really helps add to the whimsy and mysticism of it all. This film didn't lead to a bunch of other black superhero movies, but it was incredibly important to black child fanatics of Batman. This broke a lot of barriers by having an African-American, non-hypermasculine, nerdy character who is clearly on the autistic spectrum be the hero. He's not super strong, but but the people of the city and Robin Givens love him anyway because of the strengths he does have. He's loyal, he's honest, he isn't really that violent, and he has a cartoonish zeal when it comes to his crime fighting, but he still manages to inspire the city to be better. Growing up, I was constantly being ridiculed for not being black enough, not being masculine enough, or just simply for being nerdy. Every day I had a student or a relative or a friend that called me the F word, said I acted white, and my last 
name sounds tragically close to Urkel, so you can probably, like, you can probably gather what kids did with that. Blake Man is also chastised for not being masculine enough, and he's got a dorky voice. Who needs money when you got me stuff like this? But in this movie, even though Daryl is a big old nerd, he's still our main character, and the film never frames those characteristics as a bad thing. It just shows how very different he thinks than everyone around him. Thank you, young man. Daryl drives the story, brings joy to others, and he gets the girl in the end. In the hands of another director, you probably see Robin Givens end up with David Allen Greer's character. He's handsome, charismatic, and he was the first one to actively pursue Kimberly. He's still the sidekick, and the movie makes a point to bring that up in the funniest ways. Despite those obvious slights, though, Kevin does ultimately support his brother in all of his endeavors, and he even helps set Daryl up with Kimberly. Though Damon Wayans plays his part very silly. The performance and the script still comes from a place of sincerity. Look! I'm a crime fighter! This is one of the most underrated superhero movies ever. It's a beautiful send-up to the old-school Batman and a wonderfully formulaic superhero comedy before said formula would become so synonymous with comic book flicks that a lot of audiences are kind of over it. It didn't lead to a groundswell of superhero movies or anything. I mean, this came out a year after Meteor Man and six years before Blade and people still call Black Panther the first black superhero movie. Beyond the fact that superhero movies weren't really in the zeitgeist, I suppose the only reason this movie didn't do so well is because people didn't get it. Like, if you're not watching it knowing that it's supposed to be silly and campy like Adam West Batman, I can see how one might lose the point of this movie. But Blankman introduces audiences to a brand new yet all too familiar world of flamboyantly despicable villains, situation-specific gadgets, and a kind, earnest hero with the mind of Adam West and the heart of an optimistic black kid who just loves them some Batman. All right, that's it for this analysis video. I will be making a review video for the new Batman movie and also per viewer request, I'll be making an analysis video on 2019's Joker. But until next time, stay safe, my little do-gooders, and may the force be with you.